G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. It's going to be a little bit deeper in the way that we talk about our relationship with God. A real privilege today to explore the pursuit of happiness from the deep valleys to the mountaintops of joy. We're going to connect today with the Aussie worship band that has for decades been bringing an amazing presentation and a fresh voice to the biblical Psalms. Sons of Korah, they use the Psalms, recognizing them as the primary source for the worship traditions of both Judaism and Christianity. So we're on a journey today, right back into ancient times, exploring the spirituality of the Psalms. Sons of Korah lead their listeners into an impacting encounter with the Bible book of Psalms, often described as the heart of the Bible. Get ready to explore a roller coaster of emotions today. From lamentation to songs of jubilant praise, then from battle cry to benediction, and from exclamation of awe and wonder to reflections of tranquility and perfect wisdom. Matthew Jacoby is the leader of Sons of Korah. He co-writes the music, he plays guitar, he sings lead vocals. He's also Dr. Matt Jacoby, also the senior pastor of One Hope Church in Geelong in Victoria and a lecturer at the Melbourne School of Theology. His latest book is called Deeper Places, The Spirituality of the Psalms. Let me make a special welcome to Matt Jacoby. Matt, welcome back to 2020. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's interesting that you mention uh, the pursuit of happiness because actually one of the core chapters of my book is actually called the pursuit of sadness, uh, which which I think is is uh, is more um, perhaps accurate to the sort of um, I guess the challenge of uh, of the book and I think of the spirituality of the Psalms for our time. But I don't want to jump in too quick, too deep. <laughs> you know, I was taking us in that direction. And while we are here, let's let's dwell in this for a moment because you like to talk about being in those deep valleys and mm-hmm. then arising, ascending to <clears throat> the top of the mountain, <clears throat> which, you know, we often associate with joy. But you yeah. start with sadness. So if we're talking about the book of Psalms that so many of us yeah. are familiar with, We've got this big spectrum of all sorts of emotion here. I've begun to just mm. to describe that in the introduction, but take us into this now that we're here, a God yeah. of sadness. Yeah, so uh, we we are actually in that valley. I mean, reality is, and this is a reality that uh, we can all too easily lose touch with in our very affluent uh, context comparatively, of course, to the rest of the the, the world and, and actually to the rest of most of humanity who have lived in the world, um, uh, we live in a pretty cushioned existence. And we can easily forget, actually, that we, we live as broken people in a broken world, as very broken people, I should say, in a very broken world. And um, and you might say that the psalmists 
uh, they lived really at the coal face of that reality. They they experienced all the harshest elements of that reality, a reality that's still uh, that's still with us today. But um, uh, of course, one of the most important elements of that reality is not just the state of the world, but the state that we begin with. And there's a a principle in Psalm 126 that says, "Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy." Um, and in a sense, um, unless we actually are willing to face the sad realities um, uh, of our human predicament, then we will inevitably, therefore, remain remain almost dissociated, actually, from reality. Um, almost, perhaps, you could even say, anaesthetized to reality. And and when that happens, there's a sense in which we also cut ourselves off from the possibility of true joy. And so we can often uh, tend to replace the fleeting pleasures of life. And there's so, so much that, that is pleasurable and, and God created the, you know, the, the world for us to enjoy and take pleasure in. Um, but those pleasures can, and, and particularly in our very entertainment-oriented culture, um, can easily become a, a kind of anaesthetic that anaesthetizes us spiritually, um, uh, that prevents us from feeling sadness and joy. And so I think the big challenge of the Psalms is to get off the anaesthetics and actually to feel, uh, to feel the brunt of reality uh, and perhaps even... Uh, even the, the difficult aspects of that that we need to face about ourselves and the world, that's where the that's where that's where the ladder to joy begins. The first rung is right down in the depths of that reality. Wow! Sowing in tears, reaping in joy, starting in the valley, but looking mm. to ascend to the mountaintop. Now, mm. I don't want to give away all the secrets of your book, but when you've <laughs> ascended to the mountaintop. You like to say that the joy that you are pursuing, the happiness that you are seeking, is always associated with salvation. Give us some mm. thought here, because uh, here we are, uh, perhaps in our sinful nature, aspiring to something that is happiness, searching up all sorts of dry gullies, looking for some level of happiness. Mm. Uh, just explain to us how you see the mountaintop as being associated with salvation. Yeah, uh, the pursuit of happiness is a uh, is is a well known as a preoccupation of our culture, and um, there's there's some problems with that as it's construed in our culture, because it it it, it, it and, and in fact this was this was um, the topic of a Pixar film. I don't know if you remember a number of years ago there was a Pixar film. Um, uh, about oh man, what was the film called again? The the, the um, if I was a fan, I'd be able to help you here. <laughs> oh no, 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 that's right. Uh, I, I've just gone blank on on the title of, of the film, but it had the different emotions and um, uh, the, you know the little girl. I, I even remember the, the the plot really well. The little girl Riley, and, and in, in her head, uh, there's a control panel, and um, uh, and. She, the, 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 there's four key emotions, you know, at that, that five, I think, at that at that control panel, and sadness is one of those emotions. And they keep trying to the other emotions keep trying to get sadness um, out, you know, get sadness off the control, and then sadness actually ends up getting shunted out of the control center in Riley's head. This little girl in this film, 
and, uh, and, and everything goes wrong because you need sadness. Sadness is the thing. And, you know, and, and there's the classic scene uh, where, you know, Riley, um, uh, she runs away from home and, and, and there's this big dilemma because she's unable to, because sad, she needs to feel sadness to bring her back home. And, you know, and from a biblical point of view, um, you know, we could think of, uh, I, I, I mean, for a start, I just thought the, and, and the film, the name of the film will come to me, I'm sure, in the course of the, uh, of the interview. But, um, you know, it reminds me of the prodigal son, you know, the turning point for the prodigal son was that realisation, you know, uh, in, it was in, in, in that moment in the pig pen, uh, the realisation that, of, of, you know, that he needed to go home and, uh, and I think um, the, you know, the pursuit pursuit of happiness, uh, I think in one sense is legitimate because we all, you know, we all want to be happy and that's, you know, that's an irrepressible desire. Um, uh, but ultimately, yeah, we've also got to understand that you can't just generate that artificially, uh, that, that, it's a, uh, that it's not just a feeling. Happiness isn't uh, just a feeling. It's, it's actually something more like a state of being. And, um, and of course, the, the, the central aspect of what Jesus has done for us is to, sa- is to save us actually from alienation from God. But in order to connect with that salvation, we have to actually feel the pain of that alienation. Um, and there's an inherent deep spiritual trauma involved in being in conflict with God, in alienation from God. And if we don't allow ourselves to feel that, then we're, we're not really able to access what Jesus did for us. Now, the, the biblical expression for this uh, is, you know, Psalm 51 says the, bro- the the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And, uh, and, and it's contrition, it's, it's penitence that really is the doorway. Uh, and, and that comes back to that idea of s- sowing in tears and, uh, and reaping in joy. Um, that's why, you know, uh, that's the place where we really meet Jesus. We meet Jesus in the valley of penitence. And, uh, and then we're lifted up. You know, James, it's interesting in, in uh, the book of James, you know, he says, uh, you know, that, that we should, um, he calls the church, you know, to mourn in order that they might be lifted up uh, to joy. Uh, uh, so, you know, there is this really interesting relationship between those two uh, aspects. And um, of, of the famous um, uh, uh, intellectual and, and, and writer, author, Brene Brown, uh, I think she put it well when she said that you can't selectively dull uh, emotions. If you if you look to a dull and anaesthetise the negative emotions, then you, you anaesthetise yourself emotionally uh, overall. And, and so she, you know, her thing is that we need to be willing to be vulnerable and feel the pain of what is painful so that we can feel the joy of what is wonderful. Well, that Pixar film you're talking about, I think, is called Inside Out. Gosh, Am I right? right. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I don't know why I just went blank, blank on the title. But I know we'll all be able to identify with this thought that if I have a pursuit of happiness, uh, then I'll want to somehow rather suppress the sadness. And yeah. you like to explore what happens in the Psalms around suffering, around hope, yeah. around seasons that we go through, raw mm. emotions. And sometimes we don't appreciate 
uh, so much. We're trying to avoid those sort of sadness things, so we yeah. maybe don't want to go and jump into some raw emotions. But uh, but jumping into the raw emotions, should you be afraid of that, or is this something you can say, okay, I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to jump into, say, even Psalm 88, which I know is described as uh, as one of the darkest poems yeah. in the Book of Psalms. What are your thoughts about taking the risk and getting into some sadness? Yeah, well, um, I think it's it, it's actually about ceasing to suppress those because I do think there's an active process of of suppressing some of those experiences. So a psalm like Psalm 88, one of the remarkable things about those psalms is how kind of raw they are. Um, uh, the, the, there's a genre in the psalms, the genre of complaint, you know, scholars talk about. Uh, the complaint psalms as well as the lament psalms. And, and they're really complaining. You know, there's, there are some very strong complaints there because there's a sense of, you know, there's a sense of disappointment. God, where are you and why aren't you answering a prayer? Now, now, now that's, that's a level of honesty. That's how they feel. And, and, you know, and we're called into a relationship here. And in a relationship, you say how you feel, you know, and, um, uh, but, but I think, one of the problems is that in our spiritual culture, uh, if I can call it that, we've we've sidelined those sorts of expressions. Like, for example, Neil, like, could, could you imagine being in a prayer meeting, uh, you know, and everyone's sort of praying, you know, out loud and someone pipes up and says, God, why aren't you answering our prayers? You know, why are you so far away from us? And it's hard to imagine. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you just, yep. and yet, yet. In the Psalms, which are really the model book of what faith looks like, this is, in, in a sense, this, that's the role of the Psalms shows us what faith looks like in the different experiences of life. And, uh, and that's what faith does. That's what faith does. It doesn't, because uh, what happens in the, like, let's say you feel like God's really let you down, you feel disappointed. What people tend to do is think, well, like, I'm, I'm not... I shouldn't feel that, and so they repress that. And then, at worst still, they actually have a tendency to lower expectations of God. You know, we're just, we're just gonna, I'm just going to expect less of God, you know, and, and then that causes people to then pray less because I don't want to expect too much of God, uh, and, and everything goes downhill from there. Now, um, you know, but what faith does is that it, it actually holds intention you know, the circumstances where God doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, um, doing what, what they want to see God do. And yet they, they're willing to hold that intention with the promise and, and go to God and complain about that. Now, not, not grumbling. There's not that grumbling is what you do when you're walking away from God. Complaint is what you do when you're pressing in, just like in Luke chapter 18, the woman that bashed on the door of the judge, you know, and, and um, and she wouldn't let up, you know. It's it's her persistence in prayer, you know. And Jesus, it says that Jesus told them that story, uh, so that they could keep on praying and never give up. And at the end of telling that story about this persistent widow, uh, the parable of the persistent widow, it's it's referred to as, uh, you know, Jesus says at the end of that, and when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And well. and so there's such a beautiful tie-in actually with 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 what Jesus is looking for in terms of faith and what you see in the Psalms, that's what faith actually does. It doesn't let up. It's like if you if you feel disappointed with God, don't just skulk away, right, and just think, oh, I'll just have to expect less of God or, or don't make excuses for God or, you know, it's just like, no, uh, faith is, is, 
you know, is persistence and, and pushing in. It's not presuming how God is going to answer. It's not presuming when God is going to answer. We've got to be careful about that. And the psalmists are careful not to do that. They let God be God. That's part of faith as well. But the the psalms are always prayed in a covenant context. And the covenant context means that they understand God's made a commitment to them. Um, and, and they're always on about the hesed, the, 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 uh, the covenant faithfulness of God. And and so they hold God to that, you know. Uh, that's where the, that's where these complaints, like Psalm eighty-eight, is so, you know, it's often referred to as the Psalm of Darkness. But I, I I would suggest the light of faith is burning bright in that Psalm. Well, it so happens uh, that I have a song of yours, one of your mm. Psalms, and mm. uh, with your band Sons of Korah, and it is Psalm eighty-eight. And mm. uh, as you've just just brought us to a point where we can appreciate that sadness is a part of what our conversation is today as we explore these issues of spirituality in the book of Psalms. Let's have a listen to this and we'll continue our conversation. Seems to wait. 
It's about Psalm 88, the sons of Korah. Our very special guest is Dr. Matt Jacoby. He is the lead singer of Sons of Korah. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about the Psalms in a way that you may never have heard them talked about before. Our special guest is Pastor and Dr. Matt Jacoby. He's Senior Pastor of One Hope Church in Geelong in Victoria, but he's the leader of the Sons of Korah. These guys have been around for a long time, decade upon decade, and the Psalms has been their focus. We've been talking about sadness And sadness in the Psalms, and we heard a psalm from Psalm 88 uh, with Matt's vocals, another one of those songs to play into our conversation. But uh, Matt, let's come to another dimension, not just Mm. sadness and introducing ourselves into something that uh, we're reluctant to step into, but Here's something we sometimes have no choice over, the angriness of our own hearts. You... Mm. You like to jump into the deep end here. How do we understand <laughs> anger from the Psalms? Yeah, it's anger is very prevalent in the Psalms, and it's not surprising because the kinds of injustices that that the psalmist uh, suffers at times are the like of which we probably could not even imagine. Uh, terrible, terrible injustices, um, uh, and. You know, and, and it's important to remember that, you know, th- this isn't uh, gripes over sort of petty offences that, that are being complained about in the angry Psalms. Uh, this is really, really traumatic stuff. Now, uh, a lot of people do uh, object actually to the angry Psalms and people say, well, we shouldn't be angry. Um, uh, you know, we should forgive people and which is all, well, well the latter part is, is true. Yes, we should forgive. Um, but let's remember that when Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 12, he says the reason that we should forgive is because vengeance, and he quotes from the Old Testament, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, which says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? So what the, the thing is, uh, we actually just do get angry. That's that's just a fact. And, and there's a healthy and an unhealthy way to deal with your anger. The unhealthy way is to repress it and overlay it with a sort of pretense of kind of gracious calmness. <laughs> You know, uh, that's not how you really deal with, with, with your anger. That, that You know, that's not how you get to that place of grace. Uh, grace, and, and I, I remember Miroslav Volf, uh, the, the um, uh, theologian, saying this, that, that forgiveness is a process. Uh, forgiveness is a process. And, and uh, Miroslav is interesting because, you know, there's some significant atrocities, actually, that his family suffered during the Second World War. And, and so he speaks a lot about forgiveness and reconciliation and so forth. And he points out forgiveness is a process. Well, I think you see that process actually part of, at least part of that process in those angry Psalms, because what they're doing, rather than repressing the anger, they're actually bringing it to God. And, they're, and, and rather than taking it in, into their own hands, they're giving it to God. They're saying, God, you are the judge, as, you know, as the scriptures say, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And Paul in the New Testament quotes that. Uh, and, uh, and they're taking that to God. They're taking their anger to God and they're crying out for justice. Now, justice is good. We need to remember that Jesus doesn't sweep aside justice. Jesus fulfilled justice, <laughs> you know. Um, 
and and so this cry for justice is is a completely legitimate part of them working through their anger i mean uh, and so this is i think one of the great examples where the psalms actually exhibit process they exhibit process. We can tend to be very idealistic and we want to be at the end of the all the ideal stuff. But how do you get there? How do you get to a place of calm and forgiveness and joy? It's through exactly the kind of process that you see in the Psalms. So is it all right to be angry? I mean, some of us think we've got to hide behind a mask. Uh, there's this sometimes... Uh, expression that people talk about happy clappy christians uh, mm. is it right to be angry or is it right to have anger and expect that to be alleviated in some way when as you say you bring that to god uh, is he the remedy for that sort of overwhelming anger that we can have yeah what are your thoughts here well um it says in psalm 4 in your anger do not sin doesn't say don't get angry. It says in your anger, do not sin. Uh, now, uh, anger, I mean, God gets angry because he loves us and, and therefore he gets angry at when we harm ourselves and other people. Uh, that's that's natural. And so it's it's natural in a sense to, to get be angry over injustice. The problem is, is that easily translates to us playing judge. Uh, and and that's, that's where dwelling on that anger and, and festering and that's where that becomes unhealthy because we play the judge but what you see happening in the psalms is that they're taking their anger to god and in a sense relinquishing there the right to play judge uh, and that's really that that's really the key let's take a call our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 let's hear from ann in labrador in queensland hi ann welcome hi it's great um I think one of the most popular things that happened when I was in COVID, when we were locked down, was Psalm 91. It helped us to reflect that God was always there and with us, even despite all the things what that was going on and everything. And the other thing that I, my other favourite psalm is Psalm um, 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And so I think both of those two psalms are, are wonderful. They're all wonderful, <laughs> the psalms, but those two especially just help me, especially the one uh, when we're going through COVID, yeah. Wonderful stuff, Anne. Psalm mm. 91, Psalm 23, perhaps those two people will say they're my favourites. What are your thoughts for mm -hmm. Anne? They're, they, the reason why I think those Psalms are so beautiful and so um, why they minister to us so deeply is because they embody the promise of God in a really beautiful and poetic and visual way. And, and and the psalmists are always conscious of that. They're, they're, they're not praying to some God out there somewhere who, who might possibly hear if he's in a good mood today. That's not, you know, it's interesting because all of the comparable prayers in the ancient Near East, they're all a bit like that. You know, there's no, but the psalms are just, are, are just unique with the sense of confidence they have, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, uh, it, it's, it's that confidence that God is completely committed uh, to them. It's, it's the sense of the promise that, that, and, and yeah, it's, it's great to, we should, I, you know, we, we should be learning those Psalms off by heart. And I think music helps us to do that because they are, important. Uh, Matthew, let's talk some more here and this time perhaps uh, moving into uh, things that are not always easy to articulate. But when we talk about songs and music, you like to describe these as the language of the heart. So when we're actually 
exploring the Psalms, uh, which are words, poetic words, set to music. This is something that in the heart of God, he's anticipated that these songs of the heart are an important part of our journey. How do you describe those things? Yeah, they are. Um, they are song lyrics. They're, they're meant to be. Uh, they're meant to be sung, and and I would even suggest they're meant to be memorized. The Psalms. The Psalms isn't just a book to read. Uh, the Psalms were written and envisaged to be actually memorized. This is one of the reasons why I think they're quoted from so much in the New Testament. Uh, is because the writers of the New Testament knew them off by heart. They knew the Psalms off by heart, and 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 actually. The role of the Psalms, it's not, the role of the Psalms isn't just what they tell us, it's what they actually do and where they can take us. And the Psalms have a way of articulating the deep experiences of the heart and drawing out those experiences and, and leading them uh, before God, really. So, you know, whether we're in the in dark places or, you know, the deep valley or the high mountain, as, as you've said, wherever we are on that track, the Psalms have a way of reaching inside us and drawing us along that along that pathway. And so, I, I found uh, so I, I probably memorized about a hundred Psalms. Um, and I, I I think it's it was really only as I I think I really only understood the role of the Psalms as I really started to memorize them. Uh, a number of them and see the sort of effect that it had on me, had on the way that I prayed, um, the way that I processed experiences. It, it had so much impact. I, I, there was always a psalm, no matter what circumstance I was in, there was always a psalm that would express that. And, and it's not just about expressing that, it's about taking that experience somewhere, you know. So so the psalm, you know, would not only articulate that experience, but ta- but point that in a Godward direction. And and so I think I think this is why the Psalms are so important because um, they they blaze a trail uh, into the presence of God from wherever you 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 wherever you're at and you know wh- whatever experience you're having. This is also why I think music is so important. It, the way that they're combined with music, of course, it's much easier to memorize things, isn't it, when they're in musical form? But you know these come out of a time where almost every important experience was articulated musically. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a classic um, a comment that uh, I think it's I think it might be Augustine makes about a, a church leader in the early church that uh, that he was um, you know complaining that this church leader just read the scriptures and and not intoned them. You meant to sing them. You know, so so even in the early church that they were they expected to because that there's a there was a gravity to the to the scriptures. You meant to actually. Uh, you know, in tone or sing, not just speak. <laughs> so, so I think, um, you know, music was was much more. I mean, I, I think we think of, we would perhaps think of music as very central to our culture, but it's not not in the same way. Music is just something that we listen to. Uh, in in ancient cultures, it was a much more participatory sort of thing, and almost every great experience was, ex- you know, every experience was expected to be expressed musically. You know, if you if you lost a loved one, you, you would hire singers and, and instrumentalists, and you would be expected to uh, musically express your emotions. You know, the, the the music was there to draw out your emotions, um, and uh, and you know, this is the kind of culture that the Psalms uh, are part of. 
and the psalms are lyrics that are meant to go with that musical accompaniment. Let's take another call and our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from another Anne, this time an Anne in Adelaide in South Australia. Hi, Anne, welcome. Hi, thank you very much. Um, I just wanted to let Matt know that um, what he's saying about uh, reaching the heart is just so true. True, we have um, adult children, we have nine grandchildren, but we have two special needs girls that we've had since babies. They both have autism, intellectual disability and oral dyspraxia, which means they don't talk well or the other one is totally nonverbal. Yet when we listen to Sons of Cora, and that is a go-to for the older one, like the Wiggles is, but um, when we listen to Sons of Cora, they are both calm and they both uh, lose the anxieties that they have. The older one dances, the younger one drums. And I just find it so interesting. It's the word of God reaching their very core of these children that a lot of our words can't reach them. But the Psalms, sung through Sons of Korah, and I don't know the names of your albums anymore. It's either the green one, the blue one, the brown one, whichever CD cover. Whatever colour it is, it's the green one, the blue one. We, we put on that CD and that's what we listen to. So we have got tickets to go see you in Harndorf and those girls will be rocking out their little hearts out, I can tell you. Because oh, you reach right, the yeah. very heart of them where other words can't reach them, but clearly the word of God sung through Sons of Korah reaches them. So I just wanted to let you know that. What an absolutely beautiful testimony as to how you can physically see the effect of the power of God when it comes through uh, this sort of uh, expression, uh, putting those heart words to music. Uh, Give us your thoughts here for Anne. Uh, Matt? I think that's just such a great expression of how, uh, you know, I, I, that's that's so encouraging to hear, actually, and thanks for sharing that because, um, you know, I, I the, the Psalms are they're not just it's it's not just about the, the intellectual content. Like there really is, um, they 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 are truly inspired, and and I think, I think, you know, the the musical dimension uh, it just brings out. The heart of the Psalms, and and I love hearing stories like that. It's interesting. I, I've I've heard a number of stories like that, and and it's one of the most encouraging things to see how uh, how music can have this kind of impact. Um, and yeah, I just I'm just so passionate about combining music and the Word of God because I believe it takes the it takes God's Word to places that it may not otherwise go and and it sees the word of god really striking the heart in a very very special way so that's such an encouraging testimony thank you for that and in adelaide thank you so much for your call our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 let's reflect for a moment on ages and generations because Mm. there might be some young people or there might be people who could be all different ages who think my church doesn't have this sort of music Uh, my Mm. church sings a different style of music and i like that style of music Uh, what am i going to glean from taking things a little deeper and getting into actual psalms and i know that you take uh, those english translations and directly Uh, putting them to music so that people can experience something here. So 
Uh, talk to us about generations and mm. ages and people who are not exposing themselves to this sort of depth, Matt. Mm. Yeah, well, of course, uh, putting the Psalms to music um, has been something that has been done since the very beginning uh, of the, since the early church times. Uh, in fact, most of probably what was sung, uh, most of probably all of what was sung in synagogues uh, originally at those times throughout the Jewish diaspora was was Psalms. But the early church, you know, and, and right through the Middle Ages, I mean, the Psalms were pretty much the, the content of most of the worship uh, material. In fact, it's only up until fairly recently that the Psalms haven't been the mainstay of worship music. Uh, very, very recently, you know, and, uh, you know, there's there's lots of great worship music. I mean, I, I, I love the worship music that's out there. Um, one, one of the things, though, that, that I, I'm hungry for, that my church, uh, you know, is hungry for, is are songs that express need. You know, we're, we're very good at expressing, um, I guess, the things that we want to feel. But what about the things that we do feel? <laughs> and, and I think the expression of need, which is over, you know, more than half the Psalms have some kind of deep expression of need because they're, they're songs designed to lead us in, our, in seeking God. And I mean, if there are any songwriters out there, uh, worship songwriters in churches listening, I, I would implore you write songs that express our need for God because it's through our need that we that we uh, that we really lay hold of the things of God you know God God wants you know, I you know he, he wants to meet our needs so, so let's let's not uh, let's not just focus on uh, on all the things that we want to feel but help people to connect with connect how they do feel with what God actually has for us, and that you know that pr more process. You know, we 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 need to show people how to get there. You know, um, and uh, a bit of the struggle, even. You know, what does faith look like? Let's. I think I think our our worship songs in church can can help us more in that way, rather than just constant uh, tone of triumph. Well, what if you're not feeling triumphant? I mean, there is that tone of triumph in the Psalms. There are very triumphant Psalms, but there's also a lot of process in how you actually get there. Um, and, and I'd love to see more of that process in contemporary worship music. Matt, sometimes we're looking for the three-point plan that's going to get us out of trouble, that's going to yeah. break the cycle that we're in, feeling angry, feeling sad. And beyond, and we might we might even put that into the thought that somehow or other our faith is an intellectual pursuit where we look for answers and we want that three-point plan. But beyond the intellectual, which is, I think, where we are talking about yeah. uh, the way we are laying our emotions bare and uh, we're mm. helped to do that because God has already made a provision there. Mm. But when we do lay our emotions bare... Don't we leave ourselves in a very vulnerable state? And perhaps there's others around us. Could be family. It could be people in our church who are seeing our vulnerabilities if we are doing this publicly. And that's a whole big uh, mm. uh, dimension to talk about too. But when we've laid our emotions bare before God, what do we do in that? What do we feel in God? Do we build our trust in the one who is able to bear all of our sins, all of our burdens. Mm. Give us some thoughts here about that vulnerability point. Yeah, 
it, it's important to remember and going back to your point about the sort of three-step process that what what the psalms exhibit and i think what god calls for is a relational process god wants a relationship it's not about it's not about an effect we we, we live in the you know it's been described as as a sort of therapeutic sort of age uh, where where sort of changing the way that we feel about things is 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 sort of the key so we're very feelings focused you know which is which is fine feelings are important um but uh but i think we can overplay that and and um because the most important thing actually is is the relationship and the development of that relationship and being willing to to actually face our negative feelings and to work through those and um uh and so I guess what I see in, in the Psalms, and this is, I think, is a wonderful model for what Christian worship can be, is an invitation into a sort of relational dialogue where we, where we face our reality. You know, even I, I, I took my kids to a traditional liturgy. I mean, you know, our church is a big contemporary church with a rock band and all of that sort of stuff. I actually took my kids to a traditional liturgy and... It was in a beautiful cathedral, and and they were really taken by the aesthetic sort of elements of all of that together, and and I was so struck, and and I know this about the liturgy, of course, but it, I was struck afresh by the fact that they start with confession, you know, it's the the, the confession of sin. How basic is that? Like, <laughs> this is, you know, this is sort of this is basic Christianity, you know, this the, the, with the emphasis on and you know confessing our sins. But when does that ever happen anymore? You know, it's like that that's. For you know, for two thousand years has been built into since the earliest church times have been built into, you know, into the, the the way that they did things. That confession of sin was a big part of that, and then crying out to God and declaring your need. And um, and and I, I I feel like I feel like we've been caught up in some sort of positive thinking kind of. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm not criticised because there's a lot of really great stuff out there, and I I, I love the worship music that's that's available. And of course, because we have so much to be positive about, so that's all fine. Um, but you know, but things like the confession of sin and the expression of need is all part of the relational process. You know, we, we want to build a relationship with God, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think out the songs that we sing can help us to do that. that certainly, they set the culture. <sighs> We're going to pause and have a listen to another one of Sons of Korah's songs. This one uh, from Psalm 121. We heard one in the first part of our conversation around Psalm 88, which was all about sadness. This one Mm. is called A Song of Ascents. Give us a little insight as we introduce this one for us, Matt. Yeah, so this is a this is a, a, very much like um, Psalm twenty three and Psalm ninety one. This is a psalm full of promise, and beautiful for that. I lift up my eyes to the hills, and of course, uh, that's you know with, with Jerusalem and the temple on the hill, and the, the idea of praying towards the temple, which was very much about praying with with the God's promise and commitment to us uh, in in mind. So th- this is a wonderful expression of God's. Uh, of God's commitment to us. Let's have a listen. This is Psalm 121. my help come 
of Korah, Psalm 121, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He'll watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Well, our special guest this hour has been Matthew Jacoby. He's the leader of Sons of Korah. Let me just say uh, that there's still a couple of books uh, to give away. So if you're calling through on 1-800-316-316, Uh, Matt's book, we've been talking about some of the things from deeper places, the spirituality of the Psalms. There are some tour dates that are coming up for those listeners who are in Victoria and in South Australia. Thursday, the 16th of March, you'll be able to see Sons of Korah at Horsham Church of Christ in Horsham, Victoria. The 17th of March, St. Michael's Lutheran Church, Handorf in South Australia. And Saturday, the 18th of March, Influencers Church City Campus in Adelaide. Um, Just before I let you go, Matt, um, the reception you're getting wherever you perform, and this happens all around the world these days, uh, how are people responding to the style of worship that you bring? Yeah, we were... We were actually amazed, as, uh, particularly as we started to go abroad, uh, at how enthusiastic, uh, you know, churches and, and Christian audiences were for this kind of thing. And, and I think it shows uh, 
a real hunger. I mean, I was very encouraged by that, you know, just a real hunger there for God's word in music, um, you know, and particularly the Psalms. I, I so much feedback from uh, from people around around the world as as to just the effect of the Psalms and and how how sort of pertinent they were um, for our for our day and age. So it, you know, um, yeah, we've we've spent over the last. Uh, and, and you're right. Decades we've been going for decades, but um, you know we've been more t to America more times than I can even count. Uh, back and forth from there, we've been to uh, to Europe uh, again a number of times. And um, I yeah, think we might be starting so to recognise a starting to recognise something of a cosmopolitan accent in that singing. So uh, <laughs> with all that travel. <laughs> Hey, time has run out, and for listeners, you can get a hold of the book we've been talking about, Deeper Places, The Spirituality of the Psalms, the website to connect with Matt, sonsofcora.com. Cora spelt K-O-R-A-H, sonsofcora.com. And, uh, you know, there's an app too, a uh, free download of the Sons of Cora app. You can just go to your app store uh, Google Play or Apple and search for Sons of Cora. And uh, just wonderful to be able to make this connection. And perhaps we can do this again on another day. There's lots to explore, Matt. But thank you so much for taking some time to share not only your music with us, but your heart uh, when it comes to those deeper places. Matt Jacoby, thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.